You're listening to the Word of Life AG Podcast. Merry Christmas. This week during our Christmas services, Pastor Tom gave us a great word all about why the birth of Jesus really matters. If you need prayer for anything at all, want to see what's coming up at the church, or are looking for a next step in your faith, please head to our website at wordoflifeag.org. That's wordoflifeag.org. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. Let's check it out. Merry Christmas. Welcome to church. It's great to see everyone. We're glad you're here. Um, I told Megan that I wasn't going to do any Christmas jokes this year, and she begged me and said, no, 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 please, please do some Christmas jokes. And so I will. All right, what's a dog's favorite Christmas song? Bark the herald angels sing. How many letters are in the Christmas alphabet? 25, there's Noel. Why was the advent calendar afraid? Its days were numbered. How do you know Santa is good at karate? He has a black belt. This is the last one, and I don't mind saying 100% definitely the best. Why did the gingerbread cookie go to the doctor? He was feeling crummy. Uh, Christmas is a busy time of year, of course, and here at the church, um, there's been a whole lot of activity, um, a lot of different ways that we've been trying to help in the community and try to make a difference. And uh, this past Monday, we had uh, Teen Mops, is a ministry we have here at the church, and uh, Jen Scholl's head startup does a wonderful job working with uh, teen moms, and uh, this year they were able to have a Christmas party. We got a couple of pictures that we're able to show you. This is uh, all happening at Jen's house, and just different ways that we can just show love and support to these moms that uh, might need a little bit of extra help this time of year, and uh, all reports, it was a wonderful time together, and I'm so grateful for Jen and the team for making that possible. And then this past Thursday, uh, the last day of school, Youth Alive is a club, a student-run club that meets at the local high school. I mean, you could literally throw a stone at it from this building. And they have a Christian club that meets their Youth Alive, and um, we have some kind of support role with that. And so um, a couple of the guys from the church were able to go. We got some more pictures of that, too, that um, you know, we're able to take as they had a great time together. And so we had some members of the worship team uh, leading in Christmas carols. Pastor Annie brought in cookies to decorate. And so there we have, thank you so much for the guys being ready to take some time to be a part of that. Not pictured as Nina on the violin. It sounded awesome. And uh, it was just a really great time together. I don't mind telling you it was deeply moving to be a part of a, uh, you know, something in a high school classroom and to have these bunch of kids gathered somewhere um, worshiping, singing Christmas carols. It was a really great experience. So there's been a ton of stuff happening uh, this time of year. And as a church, we are determined to prove to the community and to our neighbors that there is a church that cares about them and loves them. And so thank you so much to everyone that's been a part of, whether it's the Christmas Bureau, um, or all the other different ways, carols and cocoa and uh, the Christmas tree lighting, all the stuff we've been a part of to be present in the community. Thank you so, so much. But every year, every Christmas, among the busyness of the season, we still take time to remember why we're celebrating. Why does this holiday even exist? Why do we still come to church on Christmas Eve? And I was thinking about all this. It led me to a very simple question. But the question is, why does the birth of Jesus matter? Why does the birth of Jesus matter? Why is this noteworthy? Why is this the biggest holiday in the country, and why is it rooted in this birth of a baby? Is the birth of Jesus important? Is it consequential? Is the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago of any significance to us at all? Or is the birth of Jesus something unimportant and inconsequential? 
Is the birth of Jesus forgettable and insignificant? Why should anyone care about the birth of Jesus? Now, of course, it's obvious that I would say it's of vital importance. That's what preachers are supposed to say. But I wanted to consider the question with you. Why does the birth of Jesus matter? And I went back to the passages from the Bible that describe the nativity to see what were Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, what were they told about the significance of the birth of Jesus? And if we can see what they were told about the importance of this baby that would be born, then we can expect to get some insight. If we can see what the people directly involved expected from the birth of Jesus and why it mattered, it should help us see if it's relevant to us. And what was it that the angel said to Mary from Luke's gospel? You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Why does the birth of Jesus matter? The first thing I'll put to you, he promises eternity. His kingdom will never end. As a grown-up, Jesus said this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. The Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes states that every person has eternity in their hearts. Everyone has questions and a curiosity about eternity. The thought of nothing after we die simply fails to satisfy, and Jesus promises eternity. The message of Jesus, it doesn't only affect life on earth, but also into eternity. Possibly my wife Megan's favorite verse in the whole Bible brings an important perspective on heaven and eternity. From the book of Revelation, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Why does the birth of Jesus matter? Firstly, he promises eternity. In the story, we're also introduced to Joseph, a carpenter getting ready to be married. When he finds out that Mary's pregnant, he decides to break off the marriage, but one night an angel appears to him. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Why does the birth of Jesus matter? The second thing, he defeats sin. Now, simply put, if we don't believe and accept the problem of sin, the message of Jesus will never make sense. If we don't see a problem, why would we care about a solution? If a nice guy knocked on your door next week in December and said he was giving away sunscreen, would you like a bottle? We would all have the same puzzled reaction. And if that same nice guy knocks on your door in July and said he'll come back tomorrow and shovel the snow off your driveway, we would all be as confused as each other. It doesn't matter that the nice guy is offering solutions if we don't recognize and sense and accept and feel that the problem he's trying to fix is real. But if you need help, if you're desperate, and someone has the answer, they have the solution. That's somebody that you're glad to see. We don't like the word sin, it makes us uncomfortable, it feels like we're being accused or judged. But I've never met anyone who's claimed to be perfect. I've never met someone who claims to uphold even their own moral standards 100% of the time. It appears that we can't even adhere to our own sense of right and wrong. We may not like the word sin, it may make us uncomfortable. But we all readily admit that at times we haven't lived up to society standards or our family standards and certainly not God's standards. And if we don't care, 
or if we're indifferent or casual or unaware of the problem, then of course we won't care about the solution. But if we're honest and brave enough to admit, if we're ready to acknowledge the problems that our shortcomings have caused and we're ready to admit and be aware that sin has put a distance between us and God, then the news that Jesus will save his people from their sins, then that is the best news that you or I will ever hear. And while she was pregnant, Mary visits her relative Elizabeth. And while there, she recognizes and celebrates what God's doing and expresses praise and worship in a song. And this is one of the lines from the song that Mary sang. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Well, who is Abraham? Well, Abraham lived about 1,800 years before Jesus. And God made a series of promises to him. For Mary to mention Abraham, it's clearly a way of her connecting the baby she's carrying to the promises of God from the Old Testament. If you were to hold up a Bible, you'd see that about three quarters of the Bible is made up of what we call the Old Testament. This is the portion of the Bible written before the birth of Jesus. Paul writes in the New Testament something to help us understand the role and purpose of the Old Testament in the book of Galatians. So the law, another way of saying the Old Testament, was our guardian until Christ came. Now the guardian was a particular kind of servant or a role that you would find in a wealthy Roman home. The guardian helped with the children and had two main responsibilities. The two responsibilities of the guardian were to supervise the children's schooling and to act as a protector as he walked the kids around town. And that is how Paul describes the role of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is our guardian that prepares us for Jesus. The Old Testament guides and leads us to him. The Old Testament teaches us about Jesus and securely gets us to him. Three quarters of the Bible was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and yet it all points to him. The promises made to Abraham all the way back in the book of Genesis started something. The Old Testament is full of promises about the Messiah, one who would come and rescue humanity. The Old Testament is full of God promising to bring peace and hope to a broken and unjust world. And those promises are answered in Jesus. Even the circumstances around his birth fulfill ancient promises. The virgin birth, the manger, being in Bethlehem, Herod's violent response, Joseph and Mary escaping to Egypt, all of this is found in the Old Testament written hundreds of years earlier. Why does the birth of Jesus matter? The third thing, he fulfills God's promises. And Mary and Joseph have taken a trip to Bethlehem. It's a five or six day trip from their hometown of Nazareth and the only place they can find to spend the night is an animal shelter. And that's where Mary gives birth to the savior of the world, the one who promises eternity, the one who will defeat sin once and for all, the one who God has promised for hundreds of years is now with us. He has been born in Bethlehem. And while this miracle is happening, on the outskirts of town, there are some shepherds. From Luke 2, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. The Savior, a Messiah, has been born. And what does that mean? From the angel's mouth, great joy to all people. Great joy to all people. I have a friend of mine who's a pastor. And he told me one day that there was a grumpy old man in his church. We don't have any old grumpy old man in Word of Life. But this grumpy old man, he thought that the church was too positive and upbeat. And he went with his wife to complain to the pastor, 
And he said, Pastor, I have a problem with joy in this church. The pastor assumed he meant a lady called Joy in the congregation. So he replied, well, go talk to her then. The grumpy old man's wife cracked up and laughed so hard that this guy couldn't stop laughing either. Now, as far as I know, that's a true story. But there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a response to what's happening, but joy is deeper and enduring. A candy bar or a $20 bill can make someone happy, but joy requires something deeper. Joy requires something life-changing, something that changes our circumstances beyond today. Joy follows something significant, not a temporary treat. Joy is not childish or two-dimensional, but it affects every area of life. Do we see Jesus as the source of joy or the source of happiness? Do we presume the birth of Jesus is all about our happiness, the way to get spiritual candy bars? Or is this the moment we can receive true joy, a joy that transcends circumstances and seasons, the kind of joy that sustains through each and every up and down that life brings? Why does the birth of Jesus matter? Number four, he brings joy. And the story continues with the wise men. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. The newborn king. And the newborn king is also a new kind of king. It's a wonderful irony that the wise men went searching for a king and they went to the palace instead of the barn. But in our question, why does the birth of Jesus matter? Another answer from the nativity account is that he's a new kind of king. Jesus is a king who washes the feet of his disciples. He's a king who spent time and showed love and respect to the kind of people that others rejected. He taught the value of humility and generosity and kindness. He's the kind of king who cared for the poor and the needy. And ultimately, the king who was willing to die on the cross for the sake of humanity. He was motivated by love, not power. And as we've already read, he's the king of an eternal kingdom. Why does the birth of Jesus matter? Number five, he is a new kind of king. A quick Wikipedia search for King Herod the Great, the king the wise men went to see at the palace. And you'll see on Wikipedia or any other historical account that Herod the Great was a self-aggrandizing tyrant, a king who had the smallest amount of power permitted to him by the Roman government, and he was corrupt, violent, and ruthless. And Jesus stands in total, complete contrast. Why does the birth of Jesus matter? He promises eternity. He defeats sin. He fulfills God's promises. He brings joy, and he is a new kind of king. There was a German man who was born in the 16th century named Johannes Kepler. And Kepler achieved a number of great things in the fields of mathematics, physics, and even music. But he was also a keen astronomer, and he studied the night sky. Using the best equipment of his time, he spent over 10 years charting the movement and orbits of the planets and the placement of stars in relation to the Earth's rotation. And by recording their movement, he was able to predict things like how long certain planets took to orbit the sun how quickly different moons rotated and what stars would be visible from different places on earth at different times. By calculating the patterns and speed of movement, it meant that he could accurately tell us where certain planets would be at any given moment. He would be able to predict with 100% accuracy when a solar or lunar eclipse would happen and what the astronomers would be able to see in the night sky from one evening to the next. As time went on, there was further research and studying the movement of the planets and the placement of the stars as the earth moved. 
But all these findings have now been translated to computer software. We know when an eclipse is gonna happen or any other astronomical event. And 20 years ago, a man named Rick Larson, an attorney from California, he decided to investigate the claims about the star the wise men followed. Rick's investigation is explained further on his website, BethlehemStar.com. Can't endorse it enough, it's fascinating stuff. But using the latest software, he began investigating with the same scrutiny he used as a lawyer. Rick Larson is a committed Christian and he was curious to see what he would learn. He carefully studied the Bible and decided on a set of criteria that a phenomenon in the sky would have to meet to be presumed to be the star of Bethlehem. He goes into far much more detail than I will today, of course. He ruled out a shooting star or a comet or a supernova, but instead he followed the research that Kepler started hundreds of years earlier and found that in September of 3 BC, Jupiter, the largest planet in our solar system, and a star named, a star named Regulus conjoined. From the viewpoint of Persia, which is the likely home of the wise men, the planet Jupiter and Regulus conjoined. So from that viewpoint, they looked like they'd merged together. Because of the orbit of Jupiter and the movement of the Earth, the star and the planet Jupiter were lined up and their light combined went to appear one giant star. We can track the movement and nine months later in June, 2 BC, Jupiter once again conjoins, but this time with the planet Venus. And because we're watching from Earth and Earth is also moving, this gives the visual appearance that the star was moving. It gave the appearance that this was moving because the Earth is moving, the planets are moving. It gave the appearance of it moving together and it even creates the appearance of slowing down and circling around Bethlehem. This could be what we understand and what we read in the scriptures to be the star stopping. Watching the computer software demonstrate all this is fascinating. This phenomenon is confirmed by scientists who don't profess faith in Jesus. But the world's leading astronomers agree that there is an explanation for the star of Bethlehem. That the planet Jupiter conjoined with the, firstly, the star of Regulus, and then nine months later with the brightest planet Venus. From the viewpoint of Persia and Jerusalem, it looked like there was a star. And the Magi were carefully observing the skies. And what they saw inspired them to pack up some expensive gifts and find the king that they believed the stars were telling them about. From Psalm 19, it reads this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Now, does this prove that a virgin gave birth to the Son of God who would grow up to live a sinless, perfect life? Does this prove that Jesus would grow up to teach us about the eternal kingdom he was initiating? Does it prove that eventually he would go to the cross and be resurrected three days later? No, it doesn't prove that. It does prove that right around the time that the gospel tells us Jesus was born, in the place where Jesus was born, the scientists have confirmed that there was what appeared to be a new and spectacularly bright star in the sky and that the star looked like it was moving. And from the viewpoint of Jerusalem, it appeared to have stopped over Bethlehem. If that's true, then it encourages me to think about the rest of the story more carefully. Maybe we should give more consideration to the significance of the birth of Jesus, to think about who Jesus was promised to be. Why does the birth of Jesus matter? He promises eternity. He defeats sin. He fulfills God's promises. He brings joy. And he's a new kind of king. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Lord, as we remember the 
incredible significance and the reason that you were born and all that was accomplished that day. Lord, I pray that you speak to each and every one of us. Lord, do you remind us that the weight of what it means that you were born, that you came in, you stepped into human history and what that means for us and the incredible significance, the incredible relevance it has for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Megan's going to come here and pray with us.